Hello, and welcome back to our PCF Bible Talk podcast, which is our Bible study on the drama of redemption. My name is Anna, and I'm here today with two of my coworkers. Hello, I'm Sky. And hi, I'm Kristen. And today in our study, we will be looking at the first two chapters of the book of Acts, because last week we discussed the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, and now we're moving on to the birth of the church. So in part one of this series, we're going to see how Jesus commissions his disciples to a new task. And in part two, we're going to read about how that task starts to take shape. So this is part one. So let's dive in. So last week, like I just said, we discussed the resurrection of Jesus. And in some ways, that seems like the end of the story or the end of a movie or the end of a book. Like, what a triumphant finish. It's like end scene, curtain. And in fact, through our whole drama of redemption Bible study, we have been waiting for our perfect prophet. And it was Jesus. You know, John said the word became flesh. So there was a perfect revelation from God in Jesus. And we had been waiting for our priest. And that was Jesus. As Hebrews 10 tells us, for by a single offering, Jesus has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. So boom, case closed. He has perfected for all time by a single offering. There's our priest. And we have been waiting for our king and he's Jesus and he's come. Um, even the inscription above, above him on the cross wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. And although that inscription was not written with sincerity, it actually expressed the truth that Jesus of Nazareth, the son of David, born in Bethlehem, was the long-awaited King of the Jews. And he defeated death on that cross, and he came back to life three days later. So he is the victorious King. So why isn't that the end of the story? In a sense, we know experientially that that was 2,000 years ago, and the story seems to go on. But the question is still there. Why wasn't it the end of the story? And the reality is that even though Jesus is our perfect prophet, our perfect priest, and our perfect king, these realities have not been perfectly reflected by humanity. So in another sense, these truths have not reached their full fulfillment, even though Jesus is those things. So Jesus is the word of God, but not everyone has acknowledged that yet. And we're still waiting for the day when everyone will. In the book of Philippians, the apostle Paul writes in Philippians 2, he says, Therefore God has highly exalted Jesus and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So this is how it should be. Every knee should bow, every tongue should confess, but we're not there yet. Many tongues do not confess this. Many knees do not bow. So although he is the word from of God, not everyone has acknowledged that. And in the same way, Jesus is our perfect priest, and he has made the perfect sacrifice. But even that verse in Hebrews says he has made the sacrifice once for all time for those who are, quote, being sanctified. So it's still a process. Our sanctification is in process, and sin has not been defeated in the human lives of those who follow Jesus yet. We're still working on our 
sanctification and that sin is still being put to death. It will come to an end. There will be a time when sin is completely defeated, but it's still in process right now. And in the same way, Jesus is our king, but again, his kingdom has not been fully acknowledged by those who are in his kingdom, as the Philippians 2 verse said, not every knee has yet bowed. And one day it will. We see that described in the book of Revelation in Jesus's second coming. But there is now this time in between Jesus's first coming, which has already happened, and his second coming, which is going to happen still at some point in the future. So we are in that in-between time. We know who our prophet, our priest, and our king is. We're not like ancient Israel looking forward, wondering who they're going to be. We know it is Jesus. But not everything about Jesus' reign and rule has reached its culmination. So then the question is, what are we to do? What is our part of the story? We've been discussing Israel's part of the story in lots of different um, ways in the Old Testament, but what is our part of the story in this in-between time between Jesus's first and second comings? And conveniently, that is exactly the question that Jesus's disciples had after his resurrection. And so the best thing for us to do is to turn to the Bible and to look at what Jesus tells them. And so that is why we're going to pick up our Bible study in the first two chapters of the book of Acts. So now talking about the book of Acts, just want to give you a little bit of background. The book of Acts was written by Luke, the physician, the same man who wrote the gospel of Luke. So this book is basically part two of his story of the life and work of Jesus. And we will see that in the opening verses. So to get us started, Kristen, could you read Acts chapter one, verses one through three? In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Okay, so just some quick notes about these verses. Basically, Luke is explaining, I already wrote a book, the first one, and he addresses his reader, Theophilus. And he explains what he talked about in that book. He told everything that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he ascended back to heaven. Um, he also reaffirms what he said at the end of his gospel, that Jesus appeared alive and gave many proofs of him be himself being alive. And then it also said he taught them for 40 days. Um, he stayed on earth for 40 days after his resurrection and spoke about the kingdom of God. And just as a side note, it took me a long time to realize that Jesus actually stuck around for 40 days. I think in my mind, I often just connected the resurrection with the ascension. But this 40 days of extra teaching really helps explain the disciples' transformation into the amazing witnesses that they are in the rest of the New Testament. Because at Jesus' crucifixion, they made a really sorry picture of lack of understanding and cowardliness um, that doesn't really connect with how they appear in the rest of the New Testament. But they're really transformed, partly because they live through witnessing Jesus' death and re resurrection, which they hadn't expected. So they're processing that. But also, Jesus comes back to life and continues to teach them a lot of things. And I think they really apply that teaching. So he's with them for 40 days, um, 
before he goes back to heaven. All right, so this is that was the first three verses of Acts. So now, Sky, could you read the next three verses, verses four through six of chapter one? And while staying with them, Jesus ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Thank you. So Kristen, what do you see Jesus telling his disciples to do here? And why might it have confused them? Well, yeah, I mean, first of all, he says you need to wait. And I'm sure that would have been really hard for them because they probably felt like if any time was the time to take action to be now, they just say, um, I think you just resurrected from the dead. So I think we should take action like immediately. I don't know what you're talking about, about waiting. Um, but then he says, yeah, Hey, actually you need to wait. And so I'm sure that was really confusing. And then secondly, he says they will be baptized with the Holy spirit. Um, and of course, they knew what baptism with water was, but they probably didn't know exactly what this meant um, and and why that would be the next step in Jesus's plan. So those are just two things I think were probably really confusing to them. Yeah, exactly. And we can tell that they are sort of not tracking with Jesus. So I guess they haven't totally changed from their pre, pre-crucifixion resurrection selves. They're still a little like, is that really the plan, Jesus? Because their question is not about what he said. But they're like, well, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? They want to see the victory and the kingship come to fullness and completion right now. They want to restore the kingdom of Israel. They're focused on the physical restoration of the nation of Israel. And Jesus is pointing them to a different kind of task. So they're still wondering, like, is that not what's going to happen now? If that's not what is going to happen, what is going to happen? So they asked their question, and Kristen, can you keep reading in verses 7 through 11 to see how Jesus responds? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Thank you. Yeah, so Sky, what do you see in here that is Jesus answering their question in these verses? And what is striking about it? Yeah, well, just thinking like their question, just reminding us what their question is. They're like, okay, when is the kingdom going to be restored? Um, and that's kind of the first thing that I noticed here is Jesus doesn't say, yeah, it's never going to happen how you're thinking, because they're probably still thinking of this military power um, as overthrowing the Romans. Um, but instead, what Jesus does say to them is he says, it is not for you to know when that is going to happen. So he's saying, okay, this isn't what you need to know. I don't want you to focus on the timing. I don't want you to focus on the win. That's not what's important for you to look at right now. 
And then instead, he goes in a different direction and says, this is what I want you to focus in. Um, this is your task. And your task is to be my witness. Um, and to be my witness, not just in Jerusalem, um, but in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Like, that's a big task. I want you to be my witness to the ends of the earth, to all of these different places. Um, so Jesus directs them to what he does want them to focus on. He wants them to focus on being witnesses, on being disciples, on testifying to what they have seen and heard. And that's what he calls them to do. Um, and that's what we see here in this passage that Kristen just read for us. Um, and this is what it's going to kind of, as we go forward into Acts, this is what it's going to mean for the disciples, for these apostles um, to witness and to see the kingdom of God coming to earth. Right, because just as you said, Sky, the angels don't say to the disciples, Jesus isn't coming back. He says, yes, he will come back the way that he left you. He'll come down from heaven on the clouds. But your task is not to sit here looking at the clouds, waiting for him to come back. You should go and do what he told you to do. You know, why are you standing here looking up into heaven? Go do the thing and be the witnesses. So that is the answer to our question, too, of what should we be doing? We know that Jesus is our prophet, our priest, and our king, and we are actually waiting for him to come again out of heaven, just like the disciples were and as the angels promised. But we shouldn't just sit here waiting. We have the same task that they have. We need to witness to him, witness, be witnesses for him so that more and more people acknowledge him as the word of God and accept him as the prophet of God in the ultimate sense. We want to, in our own lives, in the, in the lives of other people, encourage people to repent and turn away from their sins and turn to righteousness so that the, his sacrifice as a priest reaches the state of where we are all being sanctified and sin is ultimately defeated. And we also want to encourage ourselves and others to live under the authority of his kingship so until that ultimate day of revelation comes, we're not just waiting for Jesus to do it all. He passes the ball to us in some senses. He equips us. I heard a great sermon illustration once of a soccer game. Think of a great soccer player. I don't know, Pele or whoever you want to think of. And he's playing soccer with a, a U6 team. You know, all the little kids who just run after the ball like I heard. And Pele goes off to the sideline and kicks the ball to the crazy kids and is like, you can do it. You guys go and do it. And you're kind of like, why did, why did you leave us, Jesus? Like, why didn't you stay and do this with us? But he's like, I want to use you as part of bringing in this kingdom. You are my witnesses and I will equip you by the Holy Spirit. I'm not leaving you alone, but I'm bringing you in a meaningful way into the accomplishment of my ultimate purposes. So that's really exciting. That's a big task. That's something important and significant to be doing for the kingdom of God. And so it was important and significant for the apostles who were direct eyewitnesses of Jesus's death, life, and resurrection. And it's important for us too, as we read their testimony and have God at work in our hearts as well. All right. So we have set the stage for the next stage of God's story, which is the beginning of the church or the Christian church. And that's going to be a new way of understanding the people of God that stretches even beyond the ethnic lines of Israel, the ethnic children of Abraham, into all nations and people of the world. 
And so that's what we're going to be discussing more in part two. So we hope you will join us and thank you for listening to this episode. (music) 